Well, hello. Welcome to this episode of LARPing Live. I'm your host, Risky Krisky, recorded as always from the local Mantres Bar and Grill. I'm in the second stall from the left, as you can smell. Had a big-ass word of carnitas earlier, and if you could bring some matches in here, that'd be excellent. On with the show. What's up? Risky Krisky here. Hope you're doing all right today. You're seeing this, or I'm sure you're hearing this, May 12th, 2022. As you could tell in the title, this is a somewhat of a heavy episode. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail on personal things. I might touch here and there. It's an overall mental health exercise or, or prep plan, you know, moving forward for everybody. Some I, I wish somebody would have told me as a young man uh, going into harm's way. The reason this is coming out today um, is because today is one of those trigger days for me, if you will. Today, years back, I was involved in something that changed my life. And so this is one of those days that you can't escape when it comes back around. When I was a young private in the Army, it was more or less frowned upon to discuss your emotions, especially weakness. It's one thing to be drunk in the barracks, having your emotions show. But short of that, and only here and there, it was extremely frowned upon. And I guess there might be good reason for that. Maybe there's not. At the time, I thought, you know, this is normal. This is what men have to do. You have to push your emotions down and hide them and bury them deep. I also thought some of these men didn't get affected by things like I did. And while that may be true that people are affected and and deal with stress differently, everyone is still affected by it. If you're not, then you already have something going on in your chemical makeup that prevents you from feeling that stress like the rest of us. Now, that is the wrong answer from what I've seen hiding the emotion. Maybe maybe not just giving in to every emotion and thought, uh, but what I've found, the, the biggest catharsis is, I think I used that word. That might be the first time I've said that word out loud. So if I use it correctly, ta-da. Yeah. The, uh, the biggest relief for me I've found, and it has to be the right moment, it has to be the right time, is to talk about the incidents. Talk about what's bothering me. Most of the time, I'm not going to want to. I don't want to deal with it. Sometimes it's good. Um, that emotion, it's it's like a two-liter bottle of soda. Yeah, it might be in there. But you shaking it up with stress has an effect on the inside. 
when you have to tap in to that that intense, let's say, for example, you're a shooter and you've been through some stuff and you've suppressed it, right? You're still a shooter and you have to tap into that mindset. At some point, it can affect you outside of that. It can affect you inside the zone when you have to get in the zone. And it can also affect you just as easily, making you feel like you have to be in the zone when you're not. That's normal, right? It's completely normal. It's also probably not a bad idea to tell your significant other about it. If you're single, maybe a friend, a sibling, a peer, right? A trusted leader. If you are a leader, maybe don't get on to people uh, if they've if they've been into something and it's bothering them. You should be able to tell these signs. Uh, being distant, not talking. It's okay. One thing, another thing I wanted, I wish somebody would have told me, is that uh, it's everyone, everyone needs a break sometimes. Everyone gets to that point where, where they're affected by it. That's normal. You're abnormal if you're not affected by it. So accepting that and asking for help. It's hard to ask for help. And help doesn't mean you're getting your you're getting thrown in the crazy bin and you're embarrassed and shamed publicly and ridiculed. And asking for help doesn't mean they're gonna take your guns away, right? I was concerned about all these things. Friends, if you use your brain when doing this, because that is a possibility if you do it the wrong way. So one thing I would say is talk about it. You can cry about it. I'm in my mid-30s. And you know what? I'm not ashamed to say every once in a while it's good to get a cry out. I'm not saying like plan your day around a cry. But like if you've been through some shit and you're feeling bottled up and you haven't, you're angry all week or you're flying off the handle or you're distant and you don't want to talk to anybody, it's okay. To, you hear a song driving home or be watching a movie or have something happen and you just kind of like tear up or go full on ugly cry mode. That's okay. If you need to hear me say that, if you need Risky Krisky to tell you that that's okay, well, guess what? I'm here to tell you, you can always reach out to me for help. Risky Krisky at protonmail.com. I've been there. I still deal with it. I'm going somewhere this summer for a short period of time on my own accord, voluntarily, to deal with some of this. Because I got some news for you. It doesn't just go away. It's now there like a, a scar in your brain forever. It will always be there. And it will come back up. I've had therapy with rapid eye movement. I was hesitant. It worked for me on the spot. Instantaneously. I I couldn't even believe it. I still don't believe it sometimes. And it's starting to wear off. It's called EMDR. If you're unfamiliar with this, you have VA benefits or, or, you know, you're a first responder, look into this. EMDR. It's rapid eye movement. 
therapy. There's many ways to do it, but it basically allows your brain, since you're hung up on that fight or flight or that incident, to refile or program that back into where it's normally supposed to stay in your mind, thus not causing you the same problems it does to begin with, right? So, for example, I have a near-death experience and I can't stop thinking about it. I have triggers, right? I see something that reminds me of the incident and I go back in and I can't get it. I'm constantly in that zone, right? Well, one, what the EMDR does is you go in, you sit down, they, they walk you through. You, well, you tell them the whole incident to begin with, right? And then they walk back through that incident and you just kind of tell them what you're thinking, right? So they say, uh, let's say you were in a car wreck. So you were driving. And you say, yeah, right. Uh, well, what does your brain tell you about that incident? And you go back in your mind and you just think on it. And it can be anything. It can be something stupid. Your mind knows the way to figure it out. So that's the theory, at least. And you let your brain, whatever comes to the forefront of your brain, once you start down that path of talking about it, you let it out. And in your hands, generally, or they have other devices, but it's like a, like two joysticks. And one will vibrate, and then the other one will vibrate, and then back and forth as you're telling this. So what it's doing is it's triggering the right hemisphere and then the left hemisphere of your brain, and it's almost like you're re-experiencing uh, it, but in a way that takes the emotion out of it or, or subsides a serious amount of emotion from it or, or negates emotion from it. Uh, and then it just files it in as regular memory. So like for my, the, uh, the one that I'm dealing with now is related to a fire. So that's a problem when you're a firefighter, right? So that was, a, I was constantly thinking about it. I had to go, I did this therapy, blah, 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 get the joysticks, I'm done. And I could immediately, I could talk about the incident and I wouldn't just break down on the spot, which I couldn't do that before. The same day, mind you, that were some years beyond that now. And now I'm finding myself slipping and sliding and falling into the same stuff with the same triggers. So I think it's time to do the EMDR again. However, I want to do something in conjunction with that. Now that I'm older, right, find like-minded people. I wasn't in the same mindset back then as I am now. I'm trying to get right with the Lord. And now I've had some other brothers some combat vets um, and stuff get brought into my life. I'm I'm involved with the VA now, and I wasn't before. So that's opened up options for me as far as um, seeking help and just compensation, not compensation, but covering the cost of some of this uh, therapy. So I'm going to go to this other program that my buddy recommended. He's um, a multi-tour combat Marine, infantry Marine, and he's a pretty cool dude. Um, one of those things, though, I, I wouldn't have known him had it not been for the Lord brought him into my life through people that wouldn't have been there except for extraordinary circumstances that I met. And that's one of those things. I'm like, something bigger than me put me into this into this spot. And everything happens for a reason. So, what's that? I think somebody's coming into the bathroom. Hold on. All right, I think he's gone. So, now that you know what EMDR is, Let's talk about how this stress presents itself in your life. What are the signs and symptoms to recognizing that you may need to deal with this? 
obviously, first and foremost. If you're thinking about that self-deletion, that's going to be at the top of the list. If you think the world's better off without you, if your friends and family and loved ones are literally better off without you, that the best thing that could happen to them is you not being alive, uh, then you don't have much time, bro, or a lady. You got to figure it out. Maybe that's why God put this in your ear right now. One, uh, that's, that's the worst part of it. You know, I'm sure you can get violent and shit like that, but you've reached the, the second to last step in this whole shit process. If that's where you're at and I've been there. Okay. So understand that you have to get yourself squared away if you're at that point. Because it's a day-to-day, hour-to-hour struggle. And I know that I know what it's like. You need something to change your mind. So, I'll get back to that. Stick around for a few minutes and I'll point you in the right direction. It's going to show up as, generally speaking, one or the other. From what I've seen. I'm not a doctor. Okay? I'm just telling you my experiences and what I've dealt with with my friends and like-minded individuals that I interact with regularly, uh, and myself. You're either going to be sad or mad, broadly speaking. You're going to get ticked off at everything. You're going to have zero patience. Raising your voice, for some reason, makes sense in your head, even though it does nothing except piss people off around you. Looking for altercations. Um, doubling down, when it's even if you know you're fucking wrong. And just, and just rolling with it and then get, making everything worse and not being able to cool yourself down and, and chill the fuck out. Um, and people are going to think you might be like crazy, crazy because it, it comes about randomly and for almost nothing at all. And then the same instance, you burst out crying or, you know, everything's so overwhelming. You have to curl up into a ball in the corner and you don't want anybody to see you. You can't get out of your bed or you literally go somewhere where no one is, right? It's one of the reasons I like being out in the woods so I can get the fuck away from people, right? Um, mine, it's a lot of like sporadic ADD type shit um, and with like anger in there, right? Like I got to get that under control. Something I constantly have to battle with. Um, if you feel like that's you, right? Or like, hey, I'm, another thing I've seen is like, it's like just complete financial like recklessness, maybe is the best word. Because when you're in that state of, I don't give a fuck, or like, it ends with me dying anyway. Um, if money, you don't give a fuck about it. It doesn't matter, Right. I can waste it or I can give it and spend it on other stuff or just not really, you know, worry about the pennies and and the small things here and there. Just don't give a shit. Almost like manic behavior, right? That kind of thing. Uh, If you feel like that's you, don't get upset or like, don't feel like, oh man, I'm pathetic. Hey, it's a great thing. We've identified this. Great. Great news. Great news. There's other people out there like you. You're not alone. Okay. Um, one of the one of the things 
and I struggled to talk to my wife about this. I didn't even, I didn't even know if I should have talked to her about this until I just got the notion to, right? There's this guy, Terrence Pop. You can look him up on YouTube. Pop with two P's, P-O-P-P. He has this thing called Live from the Lair and Renonculus, right? So the ex-Special Forces guy. And he talks a lot about, like, divorce and shit like that. But he also talks about dudes just, like, like suicide with people. And he's got upwards of 500, I think, four or 500 people that he saved their life from suicide. I'm one of those people. I'm number 282. Because before listening to a live broadcast he had, and he does them multiple times a week, I had really been considering just not being around anymore. I was in that spot. And he brought the numbers to my attention. I don't remember them off the top of my head. Maybe I probably should have done that for this podcast, but as you know me, that's not how I fucking roll. I'm going to just give it to you straight as I am right now. The I did not want my kid at the time, children now, to grow up without a father, knowing what the numbers and percentages of them having a life that was shit or, or not having the opportunities if I wasn't there. Just looking strictly at the numbers of it. This percentage will go to jail. There's this percentage my daughter will get pregnant before she's 18, right? Or before she, and then like the numbers skyrocket if the dad self-deletes. There is no dad. And that, at that point, it's not better for me to be gone. No matter what is going on in my head, in my thinking meat, it's not worth saying bye and peacing out if if my kids are going to suffer even more later on. And I know that's a cop-out in a way. And this is not the only way to get your mind right. I'll tell you what, that big guy in the sky. And I'm not talking about Big Brother here. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. He'll help you out. It truly is the only way. But I digress. Having a reason. You have to find that purpose. And if you're just sewing around fucking day to day, or you're barely hanging in there, you might need to reset. And I don't mean turn the fucking system off permanently. I mean, you need to reset yourself. You need to go somewhere. You need to look into a program. I'm not saying, hey, you're an alcoholic or you're a narcotics addict or whatever. I don't like saying narcotics. That's the copiest word I've ever heard. Narcotics, right? That and dope. I like saying dope as in like, that's fun or cool. But like, if you refer to like a drug as dope, or say narcotics, I can no longer take you seriously. I'm just having flashbacks to the bad boys, which, you know what I'm saying? Narcotics. Get out of here. But I'm not suggesting you go to a place like saying you're a junkie or anything, but like they have places for people who have experienced PTSD, especially if you're in the veteran category or first responder category. Okay, like for fucking free, like you don't like you can find ways like people will pay you to fly you there. Okay, so every situation is different, but it's going to things are going to present themselves at some point, potentially where you might need to ask for help. And there's a lot of different things out there. I also have a dog. Um, at least how it works here 
is it's sort of like a prescription, you know. I get a doctor to say I need the dog for such and such reason, and then get the dog, right? So he's pretty cool, but the rapid eye movement stuff that helped. Um, I got to re up on that, and I didn't know about that at the time when I did it. Um, but it, I went from I know I'm going backwards and going back to the EMDR, but I went from not being able to see children. <clears throat> like if I saw like a child in the in like a certain age range, I'd lose it. If I was around and you're cooking meat, I'd lose it. Couldn't handle it. Um, if if I heard like a, like somebody trying to bang and on a door and like get out and like jiggle the handle like they couldn't get out, I'd lose it. Um, <clears throat> I'm like, <laughs> this is real. I'm getting amped up just even saying that shit because it brings back certain things. And I, I tell you this <clears throat> because you need to know if you're, maybe you don't, right? Maybe you're just like, fuck, I wish he was talking about chess rigs. Um, but I wish somebody told me before, hey, open up about things. And, you know, obviously you can't tell everyone, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about fucking buying a noose today, right? Like, you can't say shit like that to everybody. You can say that shit to certain people, right? And you need to be able to say that shit to certain people. And not the kinds of people that are going to say, okay, let's take all your guns and put you in handcuffs and we're going to get you help today, son. Like, no. You need somebody to be like, yo, okay, cool. Don't fucking do that for one. Come to my house. Let's hang out. You're spending the night tonight, right? Chill the fuck out. What do you want to do? Let's play some games, like that sort of thing. Or, hey, we're going to the woods. I'll tell you another thing. And, oh, you're going to love this one, big brother government. I'm admitting to nothing. I don't do anything. I'm saying listen to the science out there. Look into this stuff. I hear psilocybin mushrooms or psilocybin itself helps people that's what i what i've heard let's just say i think it probably works very well extremely well as a matter of fact without do advising you to do anything illegal i'd advise you to look into that and make your own decision as a free human being right um and i'm not saying hey go trip your nuts off that's not what i'm saying I think what the, the micro dosing thing is what helps a lot of people out there from what I've seen and read. <clears throat> I know guys personally that, that that's helped. And, and I guess gals too. I do know some gals that deal with this, not from the military, but from my, my fire service time. So and military stuff, right? A lot of you guys are going to be aware with the VA. Um, which is also to be aware that like, you might be in a spot in life where you don't have somebody to talk to, or you might have moved and no one's around and gets you. If that's you, um, at least for you veterans, I, I can't speak to all you veterans again. I'm sorry, but like, go check out a VFW if you're eligible. I don't know. I, th and I'm, I, I think, uh, what is it? The, is it, not, it's not, the American Legion, is that what it's called? I think American Legion might be if you have. If you're not eligible for the VFW, but you're still like eligible for being like a veteran, I think that might be the case. I could be wrong. Go look into it. But 
if you're if you are eligible for the VFW aspect, go talk to those guys, right? I didn't know this. I just joined the VFW recently. I'm literally the youngest guy in there. These dudes take a pledge. They, uh, they pledge allegiance and they pray before they start everything. And these guys take a pledge to protect their brothers and sisters in arms and then their widows and their kids if they die. And then they ask each other, does anybody know a brother or sister in harm's way right now? We're in a bad spot. And they'll, they'll stop what they're doing and go help you if they know that. And I'm not saying that to be like, hey, a bunch of weird old smelly dudes with cool hats are going to show up if you tell me something and I find out about it. No. I'm saying if you don't have that support system and you're in some place where you don't know people, that will help. I tell you right now, as a firefighter, both formally professional and volunteer, <clears throat> it might be weird. It might not be the most recommended thing to do. You go walk into a firehouse and tell them, right? Or just be like, I need somebody to talk to. Is there like a captain, like a cool captain? Or is there like somebody here, the senior man I can talk to, right? And be like, I don't know what else to do. This guy I listen to, he's an old firefighter veteran. He said, if, you have PT, if you're thinking about that, just come to a fire station. Somebody there will understand. Send him this, show him this. Tell him to contact me. I don't care. It, it's better that... <clears throat> I take it from a guy who's responded to suicides more times than I can count. I've had to clean up the body part. I've had to do it both in the service. I did it in Iraq. I, did, I had to help a guy. A service member killed himself. There. I've had to do it with people jumping out of buildings, jumping in front of trains, jumping in front of cars, shooting themselves jumping off of bridges into traffic, okay, hanging themselves, teenagers doing it. So <clears throat> what they don't see is their family seeing them. So if I've got to the spot where I've seen all that and still considered it and then turned around, right, I'm not saying I'm out of the gate, we're out of the woods. I, ha I have everything to live for, right? And I know and I can see signs and symptoms. Hey, something's coming up. I'm having, I'm getting a lot angrier here. Or, you know, my, my shit's dynamic. I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm a, <laughs> my record's pretty, pretty packed with shit that I'm dealing with. Let's just say that. Uh, but for this example, I think I'm kind of talking more or less in the fire or first responder point right because there's more of you out there that deal with this it's one thing i didn't realize in the service you know you go off and you deploy it might be different i guess if you're like in some special unit and you deploy multiple times a year you're gone 300 days a year every year for 20 years right and you've got 15 deployments or some shit you that i'm not talking to that individual they're on a whole nother level right um First responders typically, they see so much shit in a different way, right? And sometimes their life is in danger in the process, right? So it's not the same necessarily as, hey, a bad guy's trying to kill me or shit's blowing up around me. But it's like, hey, I, <clears throat> I might have to go burn to death to save this person. 
and then, and then, oh, I'm fine. And we get another call after dinner and I might have to do it again. Or, or you might run multiple calls a day that are bad every day for a week or two. But there's no, I hope you understand what I'm getting at. The, the dispersion of this shit is different. It affects differently, right? Getting it periodically for 30 years or every other day for years at a time versus, you know, a week here or a couple days here as you're deployed, right? Depending on what's going on, right? Just know <clears throat> there's people out there dealing with the whole lot. And, and one of the things that, that also keeps me going, and I would, I would ask you, if you're dealing with this, to think about this as well. There's always somebody dealing with more. You might not even know them. You might not think that's possible depending on your situation. But I, I look at some of the, the, the calls that I've been to that that fuck with me and I was just some guy that showed up I didn't cause that I was just there to help and maybe I helped or maybe I couldn't help and it, and and then I think that's the stuff that keeps me up at night sometimes and then but I'm not even involved really like what if I was that that person's mother or father or that was my spouse right they're dealing with more than I am for that. So, and, and they're still getting on. Or let's say, you know, I wasn't a, I don't, I didn't do a career as a firefighter. I did a, 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 some years, right? I did a stint in my life. There's dudes that, that will do 10 times the amount of time that I did as a firefighter, even more. And, and let's say they do it in downtown New York City. That's a whole nother ball game. That's like being in the World Series Every day you go to work for a career, right? I don't think people understand the numbers we're talking about here. You should go look into that. Look into um, these firefighter books. Oh, man. Engine company something. Oh, man. That's going to be bad. I'm going to have to maybe put that in the notes. There's some books out of New York um, that were written in like this, I want to say the 60s or 70s. And they talk about the the calls and some of the stuff that these dudes went through. And you got to imagine, this is before they're wearing SCBAs, like respir- or self-contained breathing apparatuses, going into fires until the last minute. And all these guys are dying to cancer. And they're running these calls every day, all the time. And there's just, it's so dangerous. And just imagine, what are they going through? What the fuck are they? And, and it, those guys, there's some World War II dudes that are doing that did that when they got done, or some Vietnam vets. You can't tell me there's not a Mac V SOG vet that came back and wasn't a cop or a firefighter, right? At some busy-ass place, did some hero shit. They got some demons they're fighting in their head. And the fact that they're, that they stick it out and they live to be old i mean it says a number of things about them that are that's positive but it says one thing it says they were mentally strong enough to deal with it and gaining that mental strength doesn't come overnight you gotta the muscle you gotta practice flexing it from time to time 
which means it's going to be weak. If, if, it's, if it can be strong, it can be weak. Right? So I speak as someone going through this at the same time. Like I said, I'm going, I'm taking a little reset trip, if you will. And I look forward to talking about it maybe when I come back. I don't want to, I don't want to name where it is or, or the name of the organization or anything. Um, we'll see how it goes. I might afterward. I think I've looked into it. Other people have, and it's, I'm surprised I didn't know about it before. Um, once I pulled it up, I was like, holy shit, there's <laughs> literally, uh, I, I keep track of a lot of the individuals who've been there and then want to see them like, oh shit, they were there too. Cool. I'm not that crazy. I'm not crazy. I know I'm not like in that regard, but like telling myself the inner monologue, I'm not that crazy. These, these people that I look up to never met them in real life. Just, you know famous veterans or, or what have you, them going and openly talking about it. Cool. Cool. Okay. So it's, I'm not a weak ass bitch like Sergeant Shithead said I was because something bothered me, right? Pick your poison. Or the senior man at the dinner table at the firehouse, he laughed at me because I threw up when we came back because of what they were cooking and I ran a bad call earlier and I couldn't, my stomach couldn't handle it. That guy's probably still dealing with demons. That's why he's, de- he's interacting with you the way he is. He hasn't dealt with his shit yet. I know that's how I would have reacted had before I fully grasped the whole, you don't, you don't have to hide it. Hiding it ain't cool because I mean, sometimes you don't want to, it's not the time or the place if you can, you know, not show the emotion. However, pretending it didn't happen or pretending it doesn't affect you all the time or around the people that went through it with you, or you should be able to decompress and vent to, um, that's a sign that they, they're not dealing with it in a healthy way. And they might not ever do that. And they might be fine with it. But everybody's different. And everyone's affected differently by things. So if you don't have someone around you to tell you that, to tell you, hey, you're not abnormal for having a reaction to some stressful shit that you, were de- you dealt with. That is... Okay, I'm here to tell you, that means you're normal. <laughs> Congrats, right? So, the, people say men don't cry. I don't. Uh, whatever, maybe you don't. I don't fucking care. I can, and I do sometimes. And sometimes, uh, I might have a panic attack, like a full-on fledged panic. I didn't have those. I've only had a few in my whole life, right? They normally come on from that sort of trigger, right? Like a, like a trigger. I say a trigger. What's, what's an example here? Oh, is that somebody? Hold on. I think he's gone. So what was I talking about? Triggers. All right. 
we got to avoid these triggers or at bare minimum, you got to know what they are. So you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, this is no joke. Like these are going to be fairly obvious. Some of them you're unfortunately going to have to learn the hard way. Um, trial by fire. So an obvious one. When I got home from my deployment to Iraq, although I personally was never blown up, I was a machine gunner. Not every, but almost every patrol that we left the fob on uh, in vehicles, I was in a turret. I was privy to all of the driving, all of the stuff going on outside of the vehicle, in Baghdad, near the green zone, in coming in and out of the green zone, um, downtown Baghdad and the outskirts, and... Just coming back for R&R, the two weeks in between, again, I didn't get blown up. But being on alert and amped up at that level for such extended periods of time, you can't just turn it off. So I'd say probably for roughly a year after we returned, I still had similar issues. Um, just, again, I'm not having flashbacks because nothing specifically occurred. I... I would have flashbacks to memories of thinking something would happen, but it wasn't something that I would, it would keep me up at night. However, I had, I knew very obviously uh, for the first about 12 months that I was back, I was very uneasy. I'd find myself bracing for impact. I'd find myself seeing something that seemed off to me because you're, you're just training. You've trained your mind to look for these danger sources and alert on certain things. So then when you get back, that stuff's everywhere and you alert to it and the, the person doesn't stop this driving or they don't do something that you would do. And then you have that split second where you, you go over it and you have that rush feeling over your body like something happened. Nothing happened, you're completely fine. You feel stupid a minute later. And guess what? If you did get blown up, it's probably way fucking worse. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly. That's an obvious one. That's probably one that most people would consider. Maybe if you've been blown up a lot or you'd been on the opposite side of artillery, maybe had some incoming artillery rounds or mortars or you've been rocket attacked one too many times. You might have issues with fireworks in the 4th of July. So some that aren't, um, you're going to find those and you're going to, those are going to be the ones, unfortunately, that are, that are borderline crippling. Um, and those I avoid. I know what those are. I'm not going to go into detail with it, but there are some that I don't even, I don't even touch because I know I can't handle it. And Right when I got out of that EMDR the first time, and I had about a month after that to kind of get my wits about me, I, I didn't know if there was much that I couldn't deal with as far as back to whatever incident, right? Um, but now that it's coming back up, I can tell things are triggering me again. Uh, like cooking meat fucks me up. I'll tell you when we had... Um, my grill was messed up and I didn't know it. So I had the family over and the in-laws 
and I was expecting to grill. I don't even know what I was doing. I was grilling something and like it just stopped working and there was a connection issue and I don't know, like one of the dogs had messed with it and I didn't have time due to the nature of our schedule to fuck with it. So I was like, what can I do? And I'm like, put it on these things, put it in the broiler, like you can broil it in the oven and it'll work. Okay. We have to keep an eye on it. I was like, okay, I've never done that before. It makes sense. I understand, you know, cooking fairly straightforward. Just be a firefighter. Remember, we had to learn how to cook for everybody when it was your day. So, okay, cool. I can handle that. Got the AirPods in. You know how it is if you got AirPods or you got headphones in and you can't hear a lot going on around you. You're in your safe house, right? You're in your house. So I don't, I, you know, maybe I'm carrying on me. None of your damn business. Probably am though, right? Got, but I'm not, my guard's down for the most part. That's what I'm getting at. My guard's down. I got the music up or the podcast up. So I'm, I'm kind of locked inside my own head. And what, you know, it's hot inside the kitchen. I'm not a, a millionaire. I don't have a fucking huge kitchen. It's a regular size kitchen. It ain't that big. Okay. It's cramped when you got family in and out. So I'm huddled in the corner, monitoring the oven, right? This meat's just dripping. It's hot as shit in there. I got it cracked. I guess you have to have it cracked or something. I don't know. Whatever the thing we had. And uh, my kid starts crying. She's freaking out. Screaming. Lock yourself in the bathroom. It's the only thing I can hear over the music. See the cooking meat? It's fucking me up. The the meat, the cooking meat smell, it's not fully cooked, right? Like it's, I couldn't handle it, right? Like I flipped the fuck out. Now I know. <laughs> I can't do that sometimes, right? Wouldn't have thought about that before. Elevators, I can, you know, other thing. The whole point is triggers. Know your trigger. It's not, there's probably not going to be one thing, um, and protect yourself against it. Have a way out, right? Like for, like legit have a way out, have a way out to your car or know where the back door is where you can go get some space and some fresh air or hide from everyone until you can recover. Okay. Um, I actually wrote down on the back of that bar napkin. Okay. So, if you don't address the issues, right, whether you already have PTSD or you're dealing with some shit or whether you foresee in the future that could come up because you are maybe an un, uh, untested new cop or you're in a, like I said, you're in a, like a fire academy or you're a brand new private in a combat arms or whatever, right? Um, when... You, you have some, one of these things happen. You're going to find yourself looking into the abyss. There's a quote, I forget who has it, right? But it goes something like, don't stare in the abyss too long. Otherwise, you know, you will be the abyss. You won't be able to look away. I think you'll find that a lot of the people, and not everybody, remember, <laughs> there's outliers. A lot of the people that deal with gore and death and pain and shit like on a regular basis or have a lot or dealt it out a lot or received it, right? Or even just observed it in one way or the other. Um, they, they will look into the abyss. What do I mean by that? I mean, 
you will start you will start to question not everyone I'm speak let, let me take that back I started to question could I have done anything different is this my fault right why am I why do I deserve to not to make it through right why am a whole litany of things you'll find yourself looking back maybe researching too much into the thing maybe not being able to stop looking at it right stop going to the place stop replaying uh you know whatever stop going to your friend's gravesite right find yourself hanging out at your dead friend's parents house just making sure they're safe they don't even know you're there right once you get to the point where you, you you're it's it's a part of your life you're you don't want to drown in it <clears throat> Specifically, the incident or incidents that are causing you this pain, but also in other fucked up things as well. Whereas you can kind of tell when there's, an, when there's new guys or gals or, or the younger crowd in your dangerous profession. They think it's funny looking at the broken leg skateboard videos or, you know, the guys getting killed, the ISIS Killings, the beheadings, shit like that. You, let me give you some advice from experience if you, if you want it. You only have so much memory in that brain of yours. Think of it like a computer. There's only so much RAM storage. You don't know exactly how much you have. And you can... By the nature of your job, you potentially do things on a daily basis to fucking ruin the storage capacity, i.e. TBIs and things like that. So do you want to add fucked up, horrible images at all turns or reinstill and burn them into your mind like an image on a TV at the airport that's always had the lines of the flights across the screen and they can't even sell the TV later because those lines are always going to be there? You don't want that image burned into your memory forever and not ever be able to think of anything else. Because after some point, it takes over. People legit, like, here's a a reality check if you're not into this or you're just kind of like, you like this for the, the, you know, this doesn't apply to you. You're just listening for whatever reason. People kill themselves because of the images they see. They can't handle it. There's no need to voluntarily show yourself more. It fucking ruins you. Just like doing it to a child, like doing fucked up shit to kids is illegal and it's fucked up because it fucks them up for life. They can't handle processing it. Among other things, it's not good for you. Certain things, it's, certain things are good to an extent to realize this is a world we live in, this is how shit is. There's a point of, of negative return or no return, right? Limited return, whatever the fuck it is. I'm in a bathroom stall, remember? You're listening to me talking monorace. <laughs> um, whatever. So, uh-oh. I think somebody's coming. Hold on. All right, we're good now. So... Talked about the abyss, talked about triggers. Where were we? Okay. The last thing. Other people are affected greatly 
whether you realize it or not, by your outward behavior or lack thereof. Like if you're just totally emotionless, right? Your family, if you have a wife and kids, a husband, you live with your parents, right? Friends around you. And if you don't, you need to get some fucking friends. All right? Because that's lonely as shit. And you need people you can confide in and learn from. I shouldn't have to tell you that. You know that already. I don't want to tell you to pick you up by your bootstraps. But nobody has to want it more than you have to want it. Otherwise, it will you'll fail. You can't have anyone else make your life better for you. To get you out of this shit place you might be in. Except yourself. Hopefully you have people there to guide you and help you when you fall. But... They might not always be there. Here's a gut reality check. And this is mainly towards men. I already know. Like I have my, my demographics are like 99.8% men. So I'm just going to say it. If your wife, you got a wife out there, guess what? She's going to die one day. And I don't know why, but I got like a few friends who I've met here in the last year or two whose wives have killed themselves and they got PTSD that they're dealing with and their behavior may or may not have directly led to their wives killing themselves and they got kids and stuff. Have you ever even thought about that? Cause I hadn't. Cause I'm the one that has to deal with it and can't handle it or can right. And get over it. Not my family. Let that be a reality check, a fucking gut check. You think it's bad now? How are you going to deal with it when your wife can't handle it? That is a brutal reality. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for anybody. Literally, I don't want that for anyone on earth. Nobody. I'd never wish that on someone. So, do yourself a favor and avoid that. It's an easily avoidable deal. Well, I'm not saying it's an avoidable deal to have your wife's or spouse's mental health in check. But you can damn sure rule yourself out as the main cause of it because of this, right? Your kids are going to be affected by it. I can tell you personally, whether you realize it or not, if you have those anger outbursts or you panic, you got those panic attacks or you're freaking out, your kids can tell. They know when it's off and guess what? They're going to mimic some of that behavior. It's be hard to break, especially if they're little. Because you're literally molding their base of their future. And that's the shit that they got to deal in therapy later. You do not want that. You can correct it. It is difficult. And it's not a guarantee that you can correct it. Right? So take a hold of what little you can control. Because right now... If you're in this spot or later on, you might literally feel like you can control nothing except if you live or die. And you might feel like you don't even want to have one of those options. You could care less. And that's a fucked up place to be. And that's only one decision. And you feel like you can't control anything else. You don't want that. You want to have control. Take back control by knowing in advance that if I... Drink, I cannot drink the problem away. I cannot bury it deep down inside and never talk about it. 
Maybe, well, maybe you can. Odds are you probably can't. And here's the better one. Maybe, maybe you'll hold off for a while. But keep an eye out for these fucking things I'm telling you about your own behavior too. And if you see, hey, this is happening, you might not even realize it's been going on the whole time. It might not be that bitch of a wife I got or my fucking job keeping me mad all the time, right? Maybe it's some other shit that you don't want to address or you've pushed down so far you kind of forgot that you were even dealing with it. That's a fuck. That's one for the record books right there. When you got issues in your life because of PTSD stuff and it's you bury it so down deep you don't even realize till somebody professionally points it out and that's how it's manifesting itself. You're like, I forgot that that's fucking me up. Whether it's because it was so long ago or you have so many other things on the list of I'm fucked up because of this, this, and this in my mind. And I got to get it right because I don't want to deal with that. I want to be able to think about keeping my house in order and making sure my kids are raised right and making sure food's on the table and making sure, you know, my country doesn't go to shit and having time to maybe be a part of the local community and local government. Because guess what? On top of this issue that you're going to have to deal with or are dealing with, our country is imploding around us. Those hard times that make strong men are coming. <laughs> so it's only going to get way fucking worse. Trust me. Trust me. And if it doesn't, you're better prepared than if not. So there's no downside. Take control of it. Know that, hey, at some point, I'm going to need a, a fucking help system. I'm going to need people there that I trust, that when I'm vulnerable, they can, they can protect me and bring me in and give me the help I need and point me in the right direction. Even when I'm, even when I'm at my lowest, you need people there because then it'll really focus you in on what matters and who matters on top of everything else. It'll make you thankful, right? I need some of that in my life, to be honest. That's why I'm doing my thing. And uh, I'll give you guys insight to it regardless. How much? is yet to be determined. I guess I should uh, do my do this, right? So you're on here on Spotify. Maybe by now I figured the ins and outs of how to post these uh, easily and, and check the back end of things as far as podcasts are concerned. But if not, I'm on YouTube. Search YouTube. My channel's Risky Crisky, right? I, um, I'm also on Instagram. There's a bunch of people like trying to be me. They're not me. Um, mine is risky underscore crisky. I got a bunch of fucking pictures up. I'll be advertising this on the stories. It's a public profile. And uh, yeah. So you guys stay safe. I hope this was informative. I hope this wasn't too fucking depressing. Again, I'm only here to maybe give you a, a, a tool to put in your toolbox when the time comes and if you're a firefighter i bet that just got really annoying sounding <laughs> all right go get them brothers risky crisky out hey one last thing before i go um i know i said out and in radio speak that means it's your turn to talk because i'm fucking done or i'm completely off the air um however one thing 
to take into account is that you're going to potentially, depending on the incident, you might forget what you're saying mid-sentence or like when you're talking or thinking of something and you'll lose track. And it happens to me all the time. I used to think it's like, oh, you're just ADD. No, like I wasn't fucking ADD before. It all happened as an adult. So I spoke to the medical professionals, right? Way above the, how it presents itself. Go look at Sean Ryan. I think that's his name. Just from Vigilance Elite. He just put up a video recently on YouTube. A quick clip. Um, it's like a couple minutes long. He's talking about PTSD and stuff like that. He does it too. That It's a real thing. So bear with me. I know I sound fucking retarded. Like I don't know what I'm doing. But it's, I can't control it sometimes. And it's just as annoying for me as it is for you. <laughs> I promise you. All right. Now for real for real. Risky Grisky's out. Peace.